To Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me I have David. Spoopy Boys. Also known as Nightly. And the other end there we got Freddy. Always staying spoopy. Also known as Nighty Knight. And I am motherfucking back, boys. Woo! The Spoopy <laughs> Boys have reunited. Oh yeah. Oh, Welcome back, man. Prince. Thank you. Feels Thank good. You. I I honestly, I'm I'm so excited to be back. I'm I'm really excited to be back with you guys, actually. Um, but as as y'all all know, um, or maybe you don't know, maybe you're new here, so welcome. Sorry, this is a little awkward for you. But uh, as you all know, I actually, my wife recently had our first child, um, Ellie. So I've been taking care of her for the past month and for the next, um, hopefully, eighteen plus years. <laughs> um, but I've being a dad, that that's what I've been doing this past bit. But I was on paternity leave for about six episodes or so, but I am officially back. Freddie held it down, and oh my God, did he kill it. So thank you so much, Freddie. I've, I've been listening to these episodes twice and three times because I've just been having so much fun listening to you, Freddie. So thank you so much for holding down the fort and just doing such an incredible job at honestly taking the reins of this podcast and continuing initially our legacy for this show. So thank you so much for doing that, sir. Of course. Uh, it was a pleasure. And thank you for everyone who had so many kind words and the opportunity of me just taking care of the show and having it ready for you to come back. So welcome back, man. And congratulations. Oh, man. You thank did you. good, Freddie. You did good. You did damn good, Freddie. I had a damn good. other co-host, you know, David. <laughs> Thank you, man. You were the best. Oh, oh. Wouldn't have done it without <laughs> you. Man. <laughs> oh, love fest. But we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday and also officially ad-free. <laughs> if you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, our feature film for tonight, gentlemen, because we are almost in our one-year anniversary. It's a day before <gasps> our one-year anniversary, so... Yaddy daddy ta ta ta. <laughs> but of course, the inaugural. Something I'm looking very forward to. I've, I've been looking forward to this episode specifically for a whole year, which is why I needed to make sure I came back for this specific episode. But the feature film that we were talking about tonight, gentlemen, is none other than Trick or Treat. I got to oh, throw it in there. My God. I got to throw Which it in there. Else, David, thoughts? When Nightlight was first launching back in October 2019, can't believe it was it's that long ago. Um, I know, right? Prince actually kept talking about how we were going to do this movie for the show, <laughs> and he couldn't wait for it. Um, I cannot. Man, it's crazy that we're here because I remember you telling us that we were going to do it in one year. Uh, but yeah, here we are, man. This movie <laughs> is a joy. For the spoopy season, I oh, enjoyed yeah. watching it. 
it's really awesome how we have multiple stories intertwining with each other and how they kind of come together after they're unraveled mm-hmm. and then put back together. Uh, it's really cool. It really puts you in that that vibe of spoops for oh yeah for Halloween, right? This is a I think a great episode for us to round out the end of the month. Um, because yo, it's just it's just Halloween spoops, and what else can you ask for? I can't wait Seriously. for us to talk about this this movie. Oh man, oh man, y'all, y'all, y'all. Yeah, I, you I, already I can't, know. I, can't I love completely... this movie. Agree with you, David. This movie is perfect for Halloween lovers. If you it love sure Halloween as much as I do, which is my favorite holiday, I don't know if I've ever said that, but this movie feels <laughs> like you're around a campfire telling scary so stories good. and we're seeing it in live action. And Hell the yeah. way they tell the story and have all the di- different timelines, it's perfect. It intertwines perfectly. The pacing is great. It's not a super long movie. But there's so much to love in this movie. And Sam is one of the best characters ever in a Halloween movie, <laughs> I have to say. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. It's great. It's very creative. Uh, the acting is on point. The storytelling is amazing. The cinematography is actually really gorgeous if you actually look at it. And editing oh, yeah. is very clean cut, too. This is a film. This is what movie lovers love to see. <laughs> Me, as a person who loves cinema in general adore this movie and me who loves horror in general is fucking amazing i gotta say (laughs) what a great fucking pick to round out the year for us after talking about it for so long it's the (laughs) holidays of just halloween and just gets me right into the mood which i love so great pick awesome movie can't wait to break it down absa fucking lutely and and the the beautiful thing is the, obviously, I love this movie as well. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it's definitely a part of my top 10 of favorite films of all time. And it's hands down the best anthology ever. I, I, I don't know any anthology that flows so well like this one, except for one, which comes out hopefully soon, but Under Gods. That's the only one I can think of that flows just as well as this one. But... God damn it. How fun is this movie? And the thing is about this film with Trick or Treat and then you, you kind of got his follow up to Trick or Treat with Krampus because Michael DeHerty is it's who we're talking about. This is our second our second film that we're discussing with Michael DeHerty. Um, and I would love to see this man tackle like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or uh, even Fourth of July. I would just love to see him tackle that. I think that would just be quite the feat, if anything, to be completely honest. But with this particular movie, the thing that I love the most about this film is the fact that you have such a create, like just just a, a creative way of looking at this movie in general. It's so well done, and it's backwards, which is even better. It starts with the ending towards the. It, it's so interesting how it's so done, but like. I can gush about this movie all night long, and I'm probably am, but <laughs> uh, that's why I had to release this episode for October 30th. Like it, it just it was it was too perfect for for it to be, and I'm so happy that we're ending this uh, Halloween season with this particular episode, and I cannot fucking wait to dive in. But before I do that, uh, one thing that I really kind of 
go about this movie because when I watch it over and over again, uh, and this is for every film that I watch, I kind of get start getting a little nitpicky at certain things. I have the same and, problem. That's why yeah. I usually only watch something once. Right, and 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 I it, it's a bit of a, a curse, but at the same time, I actually really like doing that, and I like nitpicking at this one a lot too because it makes me it makes me really think about how special this movie actually is. And I remember the first time I saw this, I saw this back in uh, 2009, I think. And actually, no, this is this is bad. Don't do this, everybody. <laughs> but I, I saw this film in 2008 and it was a bootleg copy <gasps> uh, when I first watched it. And um, then I remember it getting officially released on DVD in 2009 and I, I ended up buying it. And uh, so I redeemed myself. There you go, there you <laughs> go, you're good. An- initially, when I watched it, I was just like, holy shit, wow. Like this, this is something special. I was, I was 17 and I was just thinking like, this is something absolutely special. I've never seen anything like this before. I, I, I want to put this movie into so many people's like eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Like I want everyone to watch this film and it's just absolutely special to me on how, beautifully done this movie is and as everyone knows who's listened to nightlight either from the beginning or from uh, maybe a couple of episodes we love to celebrate horror and we love to celebrate horror films and whether it's good or bad it doesn't necessarily matter like if you if you even go back and listen to like uh films of like it follows or uh Naroi the curse or the monster or whatever um these are episodes that we didn't really like the films that much on and yet we still celebrate them it because they are still special no matter what if they don't vibe with us that is completely fine there's still something magical about that movie and even for this movie if we honestly truly even think about it this movie is just a complete popcorn flick that has some really good acting and of extraordinarily fun moments in there. Um, but you probably wouldn't show this to like Roger Ebert, for example, he probably wouldn't find this movie too exciting, but at the same time, there's a little bit of something for everyone in here with all these different types of stories and uh, God damn it. I can, I can just continue gushing and gushing and gushing <laughs> over this, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, let's go ahead and jump into the plot. We open with a black and white PSA on trick-or-treat safety. A disembodied voice comes, goes over some rules to follow during the quote-unquote the spookiest time of the year. Always stay on the sidewalks, never go to a stranger's house, and never go out alone. The voice starts to distort out to show a clear-lit pumpkin with the phase of someone breathing out. And holy shit, this is where you already, right off the bat, you're getting those vibes, dog. And it's so good. <laughs> so yeah. good. I, I just love how that, that I, I'm a sucker for, you guys already know me. I'm a sucker for three main things in horror. Lit eyes. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like the, the, the lighting of the eyes. If, if, if your eyes are glowing in a horror film, I'm already your fan. That's you, your you thing. I'm right fan. there with you, man. That, oh, sure. that is my jam. My jam. Breathing out the, I'm a huge sucker for that as well. And this movie did it perfectly to where it just since chills up your fucking spine. And last but not least, 
I'm a huge sucker for very, very, very well done creature design. I just, I, and, and by very well done, I mean practical creature design. I just, I'm so, so in love with it. But damn. But this just had that, and now it's just like, ooh, chills. It gets me every time, too. Every single time it gets me. Um, we see what appears to be a little girl with a wagon walking across the street in a car slamming on its brakes while you hear women inside the car cheering, laughing, and howling. This couple, Emma and Henry, are walking towards their house after coming back from a party. Emma isn't too happy when they are coming back, and she is taking off her robotic costume. She's about to blow the candle out of the pumpkin that is in front of the house, uh, but Henry tells her to leave it lit because of ancient tradition. She remarks, she makes a remark about it being Halloween, not Hanukkah. Thought that was actually kind of funny. Um, and continues to blow the candle out. They start heading into their house, but someone is watching them from across the street. The person watching them proceeds to walk across the street to get a better look at the blown out pumpkin. Henry is looking at Emma's ass and she irritatedly tells him that, uh, that they, excuse me, she irritatedly tells him that she wants to clean all the Halloween decorations, mentioning that it looks like a crime scene and that her mom is coming in the morning. Henry tells her that he was going to do it in the morning, but she rebuttals by telling him that he won't, proceeding to tell him that he's actually uh, that he is actually going to do. Uh, she also mentions that her mother is coming in the morning and tells him that she will do it, handing him her costume to take upstairs. Emma's about to go back in the house while Henry just stood on the porch, pouty face. He was he was all types of sad, right? Usually, hmm. oh for sure. Oh, shucks. You could tell this man loved Halloween, and his girlfriend was not about it. It was nope. really funny. She was, was not sad. digging it. It's like, you want to take out yeah. the decorations that same night? It's still Halloween. You can't do that. Yeah, right. the and, exact you know, same thing. He says the great phrase right now. It's like, oh, if maybe you will make someone angry if they saw you blow out the jack-o'-lantern, which is also a great right. line to proceed of what's going to happen next. Which is, this movie right. does a great job with that, leading to the next steps. He very yeah. much emphasizes that there are traditions that, you know, you should follow. And who knows what could happen if you break those traditions. Absolutely. And there, there's even actually a, another show. It's a it's a cartoon. Uh, as you guys know, I love my cartoons too. Um, but it's called Gravity Falls. And uh, Gravity Falls has an uh, episode of Halloween in the summer called Summerween. And... Instead of being a jack-o'-lantern, it's watermelons that you light up. And there is this watermelon creature that is all types of creepy. Um, initially, think of when Mr. B in Coraline changes to the other Mr. B and he's crawling around inside of uh, his little house or whatever. Um, he initially does that. But it is extremely creepy. It's super well done. And it reminds me of this movie every single time huh. because it's initially about the tradition of blowing out the last candle. It's so good. So good. Happy Summerween. <laughs> uh, she comes back outside and tells him with a smirk to go upstairs and turn the tape on. This dude just wants to watch some porn and it's like... <laughs> All right, I dig it, I guess. Henry, slightly surprised but stoked, kisses her and heads inside while she go closes the door behind him. Yet, or you get another glimpse from another perspective of the person watching them. Emma, st Emma stands at the top of the porch and lets out that she hates Halloween before going to take everything down. 
Inside, Henry is getting the tape ready and the camera starts getting a little shaky, seeming like the watcher is inside with him. Back outside, Emma unplugs the cord to all the lights and grabs a box to start taking down the decorations. While doing so, she notices the trick-or-treaters walking across the street and she has a smile on her face. She drops her smile, though, when she notices a masked, hooded man standing across the street just staring back at her. She cautiously looks at him while she is taking down the rest of the decorations and then the man gets picked up by his friends. What I think what is really little fucker. Yeah, what I think <laughs> is really clever here is we had those stalker shots, right? We had yeah. a first person perspective shot of watching her from across the street as it was from something that depicted of being behind a mass. Um and right. then we're followed up with this scene. Um Yeah. And, you know, well and behold, we have someone across the street staring at her in a mask. But I Absolutely. do want to drop a pin on this scene for later on in the movie. Okay. For Yeah. Because I I don't think it's worth mentioning something about this scene now, but later on okay. I want us to come back to it. Okay. Yeah, sure. yeah. Whenever whenever you want to jump back in with that, jump back in. I will. Um I, I would also like to mention um one thing particularly clever about this scene as well is um kind of seeing the the initial breakdown i guess of um how everything is kind of working out where you are getting the glimpse and seeing across the street and when you actually are looking at the houses you're starting to notice all right we are very very much in just a very small community and like everyone pretty much lives here Right. Except for, except for the four girls, they're all that, neighbors. The, exactly, and I thought that was so fucking cool that they were all pretty much neighbors. And I just, oh man, I just really, really love how clever that was for them to kind of keep that that, uh, I guess, awareness that that sense of awareness of of this particular um, section. Right. I thought that was actually really, really. I think that's well a really done. good call out. Yeah. Um, Emma breathes a sigh of relief and says, quote unquote, happy Halloween, while pulling off another sheet of the sticks in the yard. She is going to put it in the box with another de- with the other decor, but then a sheet flies on top of her from something letting out a horrendous scream. Emma lets out a loud yell and they, then we cut to Harry on the rising up of, uh, oh, excuse me. Then we cut to Henry on the rising up from the bed upstairs. Uh, he thinks he hears something over his uh, tape playing, but <laughs> continues focusing on the sound of his porn and closing his eyes. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, back outside, <laughs> Emma is being attacked by the small creature inside of the sheet. They fall out of the air. Oops, excuse me. They fall out of out, out onto out of the yard, not the ear. Excuse me, and on into the sidewalk where three kids stop looking at the commotion on uh, on the in the sheet. These poor kids, dude, they went through so much. Like, <laughs> well, like you sure. see them several times in this movie, and each time they just they're they saw some shit. And they keep seeing some shit. That's what's a great touch about this movie is like when you first watch this movie, like at least for me, right? I see those three kids and I don't recall them later on in the movie until I right. kind of skim through it one more time. And then I have that moment of realization. I'm like, oh man, those kids are just <laughs> prevalent throughout the whole film one thing right. i do want to add about this movie right off the bat that uh really impressed me was uh, it knows what horror tropes are right that moment when we have her um 
kind of taking their decorations down, they have that moment mm-hmm. where it sticks on one item on the shot for a little too long. So it leads you to suspect something's going to pop out. Um, and then right. we also have that moment with the man across the street. Um, turns out, you know, he was just some dude in a mess and getting picked up by his friends. Yeah. And it turns out that it looks like he was staring her down. But uh, in reality, he probably was like looking up to the sky or maybe at a house nearby with his eyes right. and his mask made it look like it was looking at him. I love that. Immediately, it made me realize this film is actually a lot smarter than, um, you know, most movies. Um, yeah. Sure. But with that being said, it caught me by surprise when we did have the actual jump scare and it did it so well because it had me distracted about the fake outs previous to that. I love that. I absolutely love that you said that because it does play so well on those tropes. Even with the sound mixing, when she's pulling the sheets, it's a hard sound Mm -hmm. that comes out of the audio and you're just expecting it's like, all right, the next sheet, something's going to go down. All right, never mind. I guess the next sheet, Something's going to go down and you're just waiting for it. And then you see, of course, the kid across the street. You're like, this kid is creepy. Something's about to happen. No, it's just a regular kid getting picked up. It's a regular kid. And then when it happens, it actually got me. I've seen this movie. Like, it's It's definitely trying to trick you. Ah, (laughs) And then treat us with this wonderful movie. (laughs) Um, uh, David, this this is your first time, I assume, watching this film. Yeah, this is my first time watching this. Oh, how lovely. Did you watch this alone or did you watch this with Bella Bell? Uh, I watched it on my iPad next to her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to need you to rewatch this on Halloween with Bella. I'll definitely do that. Because I think she would actually very much enjoy this movie. I was thinking it'd be so much fun. Yeah. Kathleen does not like gore or anything like that. And this movie has its moments, but she actually enjoys this movie a lot. <laughs> That's good to hear. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun flick. And I cannot wait until Ellie is old enough to watch this. because <laughs> This is definitely going to be a staple in this household. I watch it every year. Nice. Um, I, I've, I've bought this movie maybe four or five times. Like, wow. Not even joking. I bought it on PlayStation. I bought it on Vudu. I bought I have the DVD. I have the Blu-ray. And I bought it again, actually, for the podcast. Because, like, you know what? I'm going to just keep throwing this movie money. Like, I bought it uh, on Apple TV. So, Damn, you're definitely a fan. I love this movie. Uh, inside the sheet, the creature holds up a bitten lollipop in the shape of a pumpkin and proceeds to slice her neck with the festive stick of candy. I'm actually going to be getting this tattooed on my That's hand. That's so sick. Very, very love soon, that. So Ooh, quite excited about that. Yeah. With the blood and all. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that. The three boys run in the other direction while the creature grunts, pulling Emma back into the yard. Goddamn, he is strong yeah. to be a little guy. Cut to Henry waking up and the TV being all fuzzed out from the tape being over. He heads outside in search of Emma, looking around the yard, calling for her. He continues and stops when he hits the box of decor on the ground. This has him stop and notice his wife's bloodied severed hand and leg hanging on the tree. What I Goddamn. love is that he he can't even tell. He just thinks right. it's more thinks decorations. It's just, right. And, and on, it's, it, it isn't until we see the ring on her finger exactly. that we know, oh, shit, yeah. that's her severed hand. What's, <laughs> what's great about this is that um, because we see her, you know, kind of being spooked by the uh, limb hanging limb decorations earlier i couldn't mm-hmm. even tell if that was actually her limbs or not it was not right. until that shot of the ring that i was like oh wait that that is 
<laughs> yeah, because I mean, she technically didn't get everything up, right? Yeah, it's just like she just got a few things off of the ground. Uh, a light behind him illuminates underneath the sheet. He slowly heads over the, to the sheet and slowly takes the sheet off, revealing his dismembered wife with the lollipop jammed in her mouth. Ooh. Ending our preface. Oh my gosh. The fact that her face is also right. carved as a pumpkin is just chef kiss. Voila. Amazing. Bravo. Give me more. <laughs> I, I, just, I love more? that. Love that. Then it turns into a comic strip that resembles Tales of the Crypt and showcases the title sequence. So good. Once again, just fantastic. And even the little kids in, in kind of like the homily of the homily? <laughs> that sounds right. Um, of like the ah, ah, like it's just it's so Iconic. good. It's so, so very, good. very well done. The music and is so uh, it gets absolutely. you in the Halloween absolutely. mood. Yeah. I definitely have to agree with you, Freddie. The whole time watching this, it definitely made me think it was October already. It made me think that Halloween was right. just like a week away. I mean, for those listening, you know, <laughs> Halloween's October probably a now. lot closer. <laughs> yeah, but it's a us, day away. It's literally tomorrow for you yeah, guys. Yeah, for, for us, we're recording in September. But um, right. man, the music, the score was so whimsical and it made me just like in the mood to just like get in a costume and go door to door in my house to each bedroom and ask for candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, even those violent violin strings playing on there that <laughs> like, even that is just so really, really good and well done for this particular uh, uh, set of music as well. It's just very, very well done. Uh, the title sequence sharing the, uh, uh, that we will be indulged with four anthologies. And I even put here such a creepy and fantastic opening. You really see how this inspired very much in Krampus. Wouldn't mind more holiday horror from Doherty. Um, and I also forgot to mention, everybody, uh, the like I said, I'm a little rusty. Uh, but the Trick or Treat is also directed by Michael Doherty, released at Buttnumathon. That is a real thing. Well, it was a real thing. It's now no longer a thing because that dude who did that thing uh, had like sexual allegations and shit. So fuck that guy. Um, but released in December 9th of 2007 at Buttonumathon, a U.S. release of October 6, 2009 and a runtime of one hour and 22 minutes and a budget of $12 million. No theatrical release. So we don't have any uh, type of cash flow for that. But a rating of 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had to do that really quick, everybody, for you. And now we are done with that. So after the sequence, we cut to a kid, Charlie, walking the street with a dirty bag dragging on the on the ground and the camera create creatively showing some of the characters of our other stories you guys like I how i did it. that very quickly right yeah <laughs> i was my breath the whole time <laughs> uh got to an earlier point in the night where there are a festive parade going on in the uh, streets of this town a news anchor is reporting on the festivities and continues saying that quote unquote this is the one night of the year when we can pretend to be the scariest thing we can think of and i love this this is beautiful foreshadowing of everything we're getting ourselves into it's literally the scariest thing we can think of. And it's four stories that Doherty found to be terrifying. And I love that. I absolutely adore that. That's what's kind of setting the tone of the film. This uh, news ca uh, caster or news anchor or something. Yeah. Um, and I'm not only that. I think though. Sorry, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to add like what a cool. I love in, in um, Halloween 
movies where we see a town that fully embraces what Halloween is and have these huge yeah. festivals. It's just, it makes you envious just to look at. Absolutely. There's a town in Oregon that does this. Really? And it's like, it's actually, it's where nice. they filmed Halloween Town. Love that. Oh, whoa. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I know Salem, they go like all out for this type of shit. Oh yeah, I would imagine. Like there, there's even the festival, Salem Horror Festival. Shout out to Kay. Love you, Kay. Um, but even the festival, it's, it's just really, really dope shit. And if you guys haven't even heard, I, mean, I, I don't know if we got on demand, but my panel is playing at that festival starting October 2nd all the way into October 31st. Ooh. So you still have time to listen to my panel. So head over to SalemHorror.com to go ahead and listen to that. Uh, yes, you do have to pay because I <laughs> got paid to do it. So, yes, sorry. <laughs> But moving on to a Halloween store and a group of women, Laurie, Danielle, Janet, and Maria are trying on clothes. Um, I put clothes like C-L-O-S-E instead of clothes. <laughs> uh, while Laurie is complaining about Ooh. her being too seductive. Laurie asks, why did, why did they drive out here when they are perfectly good guys in the city? And this just makes me think that this is a small town, right? Um, which is really, really cool that this is a small town and they're just kind of going right outside of a city. Uh, kind of like the same thing with like Hell House LLC. Like they were in like New York. They're from New York and they kind of went over to that uh, right. uh, Abaddon or whatever hotel. But yeah. yeah you, guys, what, you guys talked about it. What's exciting <laughs> in comparison though is like with uh, Hell House, you didn't really get to see um, the, the town. town, right? But with this, you're yep. really like in it. Like it feels like you're right. in this town while you're watching this film. Um, because you're not only getting aspects of seeing the suburbs, but like just like the girls here, there are they are in a costume shop that's packed even on the night of Halloween, right? right? And that festival is going out right outside, and you see the amount of people for such a small town. It mm-hmm. it looks like a blast. It does. It looks like a lot of fun. I would want to join that. I, I really want to do that actually. <laughs> hopefully, COVID is dead by next year. Hope so. And uh, I can actually take my family to Salem, uh, Massachusetts, and we actually do that kind of stuff because they, they it gets really festive around that time. Um, so I, I would love to take her to a, all of them, my my daughter and my wife, to a small town to kind of see all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, when another woman tells her t- uh, it is fresh meat, and uh, oh, excuse me. Oh, yeah. No, I said that right. When another woman tells her that it is fresh meat and another says that is something they do every Halloween. The women uh, go on about stories of their last pickups while there is a little kid peeking into the dresser room doors, watching them get dressed. Little shit. <laughs> little boy is snagged backwards by his someone who I assume is his mom. And she bangs on the door to tell them that there are children out here, ladies. And I actually want to ask you guys this um now correct me if i'm wrong but i put here that this would have been better if it would have been chip doing this was that chip or was that not chip so i think that kid this i don't think that was chip i mean i don't think so either but he's but chip is also really true. short like that kid yeah i mean i yeah i i don't think it same was Okay, that would have been awesome if it was him. Yeah. Because I don't think it was him either, but that would have been super rad if it was. So, 
a little missed opportunity to kind of keep that flow going, but it's all good. They all snicker and Maria, like I said, I get nitpicky. Uh, They all snicker and Maria tells them uh, to all come out at the count of three. They count down, but only Danielle, Janet, and Maria come out of the dressing rooms. Danielle goes over to Lori's door and knocks on knocks on it for her to come out. Lori tells her no, but Danielle continues to be persistent, even adding that she will huff and puff. (laughs) And I love this. So do I. Because just the fact that this just gives you a take on what's to come later with these women. It's so good. It's great. So, so good. This this is one of those films where you have to do yourself the favor and watch it again. Uh, Like You'll appreciate it more each time you watch it. And that's coming from me a person that only likes to watch something once um because i don't want to take away from that first experience um Mm -hmm. but man i skimmed through this movie after watching it and there are some moments where i told myself oh yeah i need to watch this again it'll be so much more fun the second (laughs) time around uh this director kind of reminds me 100 a little bit like edgar wright not really his style of like editing or anything like that which he's most famous for but leaving so many Easter eggs throughout the scenes mm-hmm. and what and actually his writing of what oh, the sure. dialogue is, because you don't really take the dialogue as something very significant. But when you start finding out more and more information, you realize they give you a lot of context clues and a lot of exposition for a viewer to see that, oh, the director was literally telling me exactly who they are and what they are without really telling me. Right. Right. They right don't off the bat. treat the viewer as someone who's dumb. It's like, oh, you'll figure it out later. But at the same time, I can leave some breadcrumbs for you. Eat. That makes perfect sense for those characters right. to be saying this type of dialogue, which I absolutely love. And kind of like what David was saying, mm-hmm. that gives this movie a lot of rewatchability. It's like, oh, what else did I miss? Right. I need to go back and start hearing what they were saying. Was there right. any more clues? Is there more lore? Is there more theories? This movie just brings out all of that, which I love. Absolutely. Yeah. And even you hear them in like conversations and things like that, how the way that they talk about people, they don't really talk about them as a person. Like they they are talking about them as like they're kind of disposable. Which is which is super interesting. Um so I absolutely love that. Um she agrees to come out as long as they don't laugh. She tells her sister Danielle that she looks like uh, she is five. And Danielle <laughs> tries to persuade her that she looks great, but the other two girls laugh at her. Danielle continues telling her that it is tradition, and Lori begrudgingly agrees and asks, What does tradition say for them to do now? And it's time for them to meet their dates. Danielle is at the counter uh, getting her costume scanned while she has it on. And the tag is right next to her bosom. The clerk tells her that it will be 2330D and quickly changes it to 2433 while Danielle lets off a convincing giggle. (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta say the uh, dialogue and this is really good because that's something that actually seemed very genuine and not forced. Um, right. I think he said, I think he said that'll be like 34 double D or something like that. And, um, I don't know. It's just funny because it, you don't catch it the first time you hear it. So when right. you have that moment where they pause, you're like, Oh, did he just say, so I, I gotta give him props for that. The jokes it's pretty are good. pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, and even later on, like 
Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, but uh, Daniel asks the clerk what time is he getting off to invite him to a party at Sheep's Meadow. He agrees to meet them at the party, and Daniel continues to tell him to meet them th- uh, there in 45 minutes and to not forget his costume. And this just, I love how this just kind of gives us a bit of a more of a timeline as to how long they're doing all of this. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, th- they all leave without, and here's the thing. They all leave without paying, mind you. Oh, did they? <laughs> they did not pay. Oh, damn. I for Good sure did not see them. No plastic, no no paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would have been like, hey. Might be pretty, but that don't mean you can't be leaving with that costume for free. Y'all better get over here. Okay. We cut to Charlie knocking off pumpkins and people's off people's fences, and he stops at a house. Evil smirks and evilly smirks, and decides to head up to porch steps. He notices that some of the decor is a bit more morbid, and a pumpkin had a knife through its eye, kind of giving us a little bit more uh, foreshadowing as to kind of what happens to him with Wilkins and Billy. So and, yeah, and this film don't forget to help me with the eyes. This film does such a good job of foreshadowing everything that's about to happen, but it does it in a Absolutely. way of filling you with that oh, sense yeah. of dread, right? It Absolutely. makes you question something you're seeing just like a character might. Um, so as he's walking up to the steps, he's like, that's a little weird, but I shouldn't right. be worried. Right. And it gives the viewer the same feeling. You're like, that's a little off. Maybe it's just decoration though. Right. But Clearly, right. it's not right. And remember, it's it's exactly what that lady said. The or the uh, the news anchor, she said that this is the only time of the year that you could try to be the scariest person possible. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's Halloween, so it's a lot of shit you can just get get away with. Yeah. Right. It's it's so weird. It, it's Halloween, like is kind of like the purge, <laughs> <Yeah>. I guess, <laughs> minus the killing. Hopefully, yeah. Please but, do uh, not kill anybody. Shout out to uh, <laughs> shout out to Charlie's uh, costume. His t shirt that just says, "This is my costume." This is my costume. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's funny because I actually had that exact same shirt because I don't like dressing up in costumes. I think I remember you telling um, me that and before. I know- yeah, I, I'm very odd when it comes to that, and and it's weird because like I, me being such a horror fan, I don't I don't like dressing up in costumes. I just I don't in I don't like wearing masks. I don't like things on my face. I I I, I get very odd, very weird about my skin and and things like that. Um, but um, with that being said, I have that shirt, and with that particular shirt, I always would always say that. You know, this shirt is my costume. I'm in it kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I've always been very weird, but I'm obviously with Ellie. I'm, I'm sure. probably going to be dressing up a lot more. But yeah, you can right. you can still costume yeah, sure. up without a mask and all I, that. That's typically what yeah. I do because yeah. I'm the same way. I want to I, I actually use Halloween as Ooh, an excuse to wear right. makeup. OK, that's cool. Oh, yeah. I take the like, sure. yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think take the, the last cheap way t- out. I like. I hate costumes too, and I hate like wearing a mask. So I will get like a very particular onesie. Like last year, I got an astronaut onesie. <laughs> so I was like, "Cool, oh yeah, I'm you got astronaut, the astronaut." I'm just one. wearing a onesie, and I'm super comfortable, and I'm super chilling. People probably hate me for that, but yo, that's a go. good move. I love that, and I can I reuse think... it and fall asleep in it. <laughs> that's a good move. Exactly. I think I think I'm gonna go as a big baby this year. Hell yeah. Just wear a onesie. Onesie it up. 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, I don't know. I, I already just got like a whole bunch of like T-shirts and stuff like that for Halloween and horror in general. You guys know me. Hell yeah. You know me. <laughs> uh, it tells, excuse me, uh, he comes across a sign and it tells him, quote, sorry, we're not home. Help yourself to one piece, end quote. But Charlie goes all out and starts taking all the candy, stuffing it into his bag. He is startled by his principal, Stephen Wilkins, saying that taking the candy can't be good for his diabetes. I was like, oh, damn, it's fucked up. Charlie <laughs> tries to think of something to say, but Wilkins stops him and tells him to sit down so they can chat for a bit. Charlie tries to tell him that, uh, that he can't, but Wilkins changes his demeanor and sternly tells him to sit down. Just like that. And that shit kind of got me. I was like, ooh, yeah. do sit down, dude. And, sit down. Please and again, down. this is kind of building on what I said earlier. Like, you have suspicion here, and you're wondering right. if things are okay or not, right? But you just right. don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> we cut back to the other woman, uh, or excuse me, to the other women, and Danielle is lecturing Lori about being a virgin in her early 20s. Um, and once again, like, I absolutely love how this kind of works and things like that. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with ginger snaps, but this very much reminded me a lot of ginger snaps. Uh, and ginger snaps came out around 2001, I want to say, um, but maybe a little bit later, but I, it, God damn it, dude. Like, Please watch Ginger Snaps. Uh, actually, don't watch Ginger Snaps because we'll be watching Ginger Snaps for this because that was voted for our – with more about that later. There you anyway, go. they uh, – and I also put there that there ain't nothing wrong with being a virgin in your 20s, by the way. You can <laughs> take your time. You know what? Take your time. Um, they evenly ex- – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to add it. One cool thing about this moment is um, when they're walking down the street and they're you know conversing – they walk by the couple that we saw earlier that was um, coming home from right, Halloween and trying to clear up the decorations. So it kind of gives you sure that, did. yeah, and it mm-hmm. gives you that sense of okay, we're we're hopping back and forth between time here. Even though the movie throughout will say earlier or later, it gives you even more right. context because it it's very subtle, but it does want itself to be um, aware. So um, mm-hmm. they actually bump into our four ladies here and they even have a yep. moment of, excuse me, giving them an excuse to look back at the camera. And it's just fun Absolutely. for those that are, are willing to take the extra step to be aware of their environment like that. Absolutely. And I even put here, they even expertly um, bump into our couple from the cold open earlier. Yep. Maria tells her that it is particularly stapled to her forehead, and Danielle tells her to not listen to them and to be herself. Lori reminds her that being herself hasn't really gotten her anywhere, and that she has always wanted her first time to be special. Maria tells her that they ha- they have all been there, and that uh, and that she can't hesitate and and to watch her and Janet. They go up to these two news crewmen, who I'm curious to think that they are the news crewmen for that anchor woman, but I'm not yeah. too sure. Oh, I think so. um, that makes sense. Yeah, I I'd like think to think you're all... right, Prince, because like yeah. this cast is huge, but this cast in some way is all like intermingled and it's interacting pretty, with each other, small. and I love that. Right. Absolutely. So I, I like to think that they are. Um, but, 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 but they yes they go to the, to while they're putting equipment into their van and Maria tells them that they have big equipment and the dude is just like uh th- thanks <laughs> <laughs> the man gives his thanks on the odd statement on the equipment but she continues introducing herself and Janet then they easily invite the two men to the party their facial expression says it all 
Back with Wilkins and Charlie sitting on the front porch, Wilkins pulls out a knife and taps on the candy dish with it telling Charlie to help himself to the candy. Charlie, looking at the knife, continues to be quiet. Wilkins jokes to it to it excuse me. Wilkins jokes that it is for the pumpkin and not him. I don't know, man. Um, at that point I'd uh, be out. Like Bro. And I think most bro, audience members it. are gonna be thinking like something's up. Something's up with this principal. Right. Yeah, and and see that's another thing too, right? Where he, it's his principal, so it's kind of like, like maybe an authority figure to him. And let's let's be honest here, since it is his principal, let's say Halloween. And you know what? Let's let's do this for real. I'm gonna pull up a calendar, <laughs> Love right? It. And it, well, this movie came out in 2007, right? So in 2007, Halloween fell on a Wednesday. So. If we are going based off of that, he was in school already that day. So for him, this is still a, a figure of, of uh, I guess, yeah. of higher power yeah. for him, right? Yeah. So and very, and very huge authority right, over that, him, exactly. To that day alone. Exactly. So with this authoritative figure that's kind of in front of him, you know, he, even though he's feeling sketched out, he's just like, "Well, this is my principal. Like, you know, I'm." I'm probably going to be fine kind of thing. So that's probably how he was seeing it. But little did he know, his principal is a fucking serial killer. <laughs> anyway, Wilkin jokes that it is a, for the pumpkin and not for him, telling him that it is, it is a, uh, that uh, his other one was too dull. As Charlie starts unwrapping and eating his candy, Wilkins notices the jack-o'-lantern, uh, the jack-o'-lantern guts on his shoe, and rhetorically asks him if he has been smashing pumpkins while wiping the innards off of the tip with the knife. Now, this is what I would have been super sketched out. Yep. Uh, Wilkins continues telling him that he he is. Excuse me. Wilkins continues telling him that he is he isn't much different from uh, from uh, his dad. Set him straight or until his dad set him straight and that his dad told him tonight is about respecting the dead because this is the one night that they roam free and pay them a visit. And I actually kind of like this a lot. Um, I like to think that uh, his dad also was a serial killer. Oh, and yeah. I, I like, and I, 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 especially since he's so comfortable showing this to Billy. Right? Yeah, I was going to add that as well. I mean, so, it seems like it's something that just like you have those moments that are passed down that were shared with right. previous son and father. It seems like this is a family tradition, as we'll learn pretty soon. Exactly. So it, I, I like to think that this is a generational thing here. Uh, he is telling him this will uh, this will Oh, excuse me. He is telling him this while he is carving the knife and violently tr- uh, taking it out, in and out of the half-carved pumpkin, uh, startling Charlie. Wilkins apologizes and continues talking about the traditions of Halloween and how nobody really cares anymore. Charlie agrees but starts coughing and releasing his this gas noise coming from his gut. Wilkins ignores him and looks down at his jack-o'-lantern, commenting on his horrible carving skills, then turns to Charlie asking for his thoughts. Noticing that Charlie is gagging, he asks if Charlie is okay and even jokes about him needing a root beer. And Charlie continues to heave and Wilkins tells him that there is another tradition that he forgot about, a very important one, to always check your candy. It's a rule Charlie, everyone knows. Always check your candy. Yes, yeah, seriously. But no one Charlie really begins. 
No, I'm just saying, like, in okay, general, if you guys ahead. are listening, if you guys have kids or if you trick-or-treat yourself, please always check your candy. Always stay safe. Us poopy boys <laughs> adore this line Absolutely. because it's true. Be careful. There's some crazy people out there. I'm a bad boy. I'm a bad spooky boy. I don't check my candy. You could be like oh. this child. Oh no! I just eat it. Check your candy, dog. Check your candy. See, my grandmother was actually very opposed to it, so she would actually we would go trick or treating, but she wouldn't let us eat the candy. She would just <laughs> tell us what's your favorite ones, and she would just buy That's that fair. candy. Smart. The next day. Smart. Smart. Uh, so she wouldn't let us eat the candy at all. Hey. Um. So rather be safe than sorry. Thing. But and honestly, I'm yeah, and I might do this for my kid too. Because how the fuck? Even if you were to check the candy, how do you check arsenic poisoning? No, like honestly, like I even as a kid, I had always questioned like if something's up with this, how are you gonna know? Because right from my memory um, of my family checking my candy, they kind of just look at it and be like, "Eh, seems all right." Right. right. I that think people just look for uh, tampered candy, <laughs> but they don't really look into anything else. Because like you said, you can't really check yeah, yeah. Right. for that kind of stuff Charlie, like chemically. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I knew a person who actually knew how to like reseal those types of things because you can iron them back. You could do anything, Cause man. We, yeah, because we used to do that at Ikea where we would just take wrapping paper and we would just literally take a, a, a blow a air, hair dryer. And just blow on it with the hairdryer on high heat, and Damn. it just formed into like it was regular packaging again. So yeah, we Damn. did that all the time. So it it's crazy the things that you could do nowadays. Uh, Charlie begins to violently throw up, and he turns towards Wilkins right before Wilkins can finish trick or. Then Charlie starts throwing up even more chocolate sludge, then falls dead on Wilkins' lap. Wilkins takes a lollipop and sticks it in his mouth before picking up Charlie's lifeless body that is still oozing poison chocolate, mind you, mixed with blood from his mouth to bring into his house. Wilkins gets the mess onto his shirt and is disgusted by it, but before he can, can continue, there's a knock on from trick-or-treaters at his door. He quickly turns his light off, but the kids yell that they know he is in there and that they can see him. Wilkins yells, just a minute, and opens the door. The three kids start screaming, but then start to giggle at his costume. They compliment his costume, and he starts handing out candy. Um, one of the kids, Macy, asks if, if they can have his jack-o'-lantern. Wilkins questions her on if she is going to smash it or not. She tells him no, and that it's for UNICEF. Meanwhile, Chip is looking at the mess that is on the stairs uh, going into Wilkins' house and then stares at the bloodied shirt. Wilkins just tells him, Happy Halloween, and Chip nervously says it back. When Chip turns around, a little boy in in orange pajamas and a sack with buttons on for eyes on his head is standing there. And this is so well done how this happens. Because, like, he quickly turns around and just Sam is right there. So good. Yeah. And Such a perfect. great design. Oh, Sam's great. Sam's great. What a great costume, by the way. Dude, you bet your ass Ellie is going to be Sam when she's like four years old. <laughs> hey, Freddy, For sure. I, know. I mean, he's wearing a onesie, oh, so you can totally pull off this costume, you too. You can totally pull this off. I may have to totally pull this off. If I do it, I will be posting the photo oh, yeah. tomorrow, which will be oh, October for sure. 31st on Twitter and Instagram. Now I have to do it. God damn oh, it. Oh, man. This <laughs> <is> suspense. <laughs> Yeah, now you have yeah, to. Now do you it. have to. Now you have to. 
Now you have to do it. Uh, luckily, we record these a month in advance. Uh, Wilkins <laughs> asks if he has gotten one uh, and holds out the bucket of candy. The boy goes up to the bucket and grabs a piece of candy while Wilkins is a little thrown off at the child. The child walks back down the porch, banging his sack on every step. What do you think was in, in there? Sam's stack? Oh, um, yeah, okay, I'm really. I'm, oh, wait, at I'm this really, point, I don't know yeah. what time period this is. Because if no, yeah, no, this is before he killed her. Okay, I don't know. Damn, that's that's a really Correct. good question. This is before this is before so, the yeah, slaying let, of. I mean, of, I think it's of, just ooh, people okay. that aren't yeah. following tradition, right? If you think about it, because he's going around and he's uh, tricking people that aren't willing to treat. Exactly. And right. I think it's just him. It's kind of like reverse Santa Claus, right? Instead of like Santa taking things out of his bag to give to others, he's taking people and putting them in his bag. Shout, Shout out to Krampus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now here, here's the awesome thing about Sam. And one thing that I really love about Sam in general. Because Sam is short for something. Right. It's short for Samwin. Samwin is All Hallows Eve. Celtic holiday, which actually falls on Halloween on uh, October 30th, which is the release of this episode, which is why I actually have this episode releasing in a year. Um, everything is for a reason here at Nightlight at Horror Me Podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> that to me is so clever to have his name be Sam because he is the person making sure everyone is following tradition. And it's so fucking cool. We love details. So fucking we cool. We love the details. I love it. Indeed we do. Cut back to the ladies with the news crew and Danielle asking Lori if she is sure she doesn't want to go and that she can help her find another guy while they are at their gathering. Lori tells her to go ahead without her and that she'll catch up with her later. Danielle tells her to be careful and Lori makes a joke about her becoming their mom. Danielle responds with ouch. While getting into the van, she tells her sister to be herself and Maria uh, comments with, but play hard to get. I mean, hey, sometimes it works, I guess. <laughs> Lori tells them bye while she closes the door to the van and they drive off. Back with Wilkins and his house showcasing all the chemicals used to poison his candy that he, that he hands out. He goes to the kitchen, opens a pantry to grab a cleaver. We cut to him uh, t- taking Charlie's body to his backyard and removing a tarp t- uh, to unearthing another sack with a body already inside the hole. He is about to throw Charlie's body into the grave, but his son, Billy, yells out of the window to tell his dad that he is back from trick-or-treating. Did he go by himself? I guess so. It seems like it, yeah. Or maybe (laughs) he went with another family, went with friends, but he is pretty young, so he probably went with another family. Hopefully. Um, I mean, shit, his dad's a serial killer, and he lets him see his killing, so I don't... don't, (laughs) Yeah. He probably did go by himself. So (laughs) I, I also was wondering, like, what Billy was thinking... Um, just looking out the window, looking at his dad covered in blood. I mean, I think he should be old enough to figure out like something's up, but he just seems super chill about yeah, it's it. It's like, I feel yeah. like he's been there before. He's, he's like, oh, my dad's burying another kid again this year. So he's just like, yeah, I was like, when you're done, can you go watch <laughs> this? Because he's got that like mean attitude. It's like, oh, you should go watch Charlie Brown. Fuck Charlie Brown or something like that. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, Charlie yeah, Brown's an asshole. An asshole. He, he seems like he's very <laughs> not really a kid anymore. Well, he still is, so he still acts like a kid, but at the same time, 
his demeanor and how he uses language and how he acts. It's like, oh, I know he's doing something bad. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm kind of a spoiled kid. And I can still yell, even though I'm going to wake the neighbors. But, yeah. That's right. interesting. I, I just took him as being very innocent and naive and very young. So, yeah. damn. Hell nah, he is not innocent. Yeah, so <laughs> when the moment I do find out he's not innocent, it's a big shock oh. to me. Sure. I have to, uh, I have to ask, to David, was this your eye. first time watching it? <laughs> did we discuss that? Damn. Yeah, it's my first time. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Sheesh. It's my yeah, first time. Yeah, we asked that question. Yeah, first time. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, Wilkins shushes him and tells him to be quiet. Billy asks him why and tells him that uh, tells him the neighbors will hear um, and to go watch Charlie Brown and he will be in soon. Billy yells that Charlie Brown is an asshole and Wilkins tells him uh, to watch his language. He's like, Billy Wilkins <laughs> language. It's so good. This kid is so uh, cute. And he is really cute. And it's actually, he's not wrong. Charlie Brown is kind of an asshole. <laughs> He's not the nicest kid to his friends. <laughs> but anyway, Billy leaves the window and Wilkin goes back to pushing the boy's uh, heavy body into the grave. While he is about to start covering up the hole, his neighbor's dog starts growling and barking at him. He goes into the hole, smashing the spade uh, on, on the body to chop off a finger and to throw it at the dog to go fetch it and leave him alone. Wilkins is about to get out of the hole and until his neighbor, Mr. Krieg, comes out on his back porch calling for his dog spite um it sounds like he says spike but i actually right. looked it up on, on for the s-p-i-t-e and it's spite oh damn oh yeah s-b-i-t which works really well with his right. character that's what i was gonna add yeah that's perfect uh, Wilkins drops back into the hole, try uh, the hole, try and not trying not to be seen by Mr. Creek. Creek is yelling for Spike, Spite, excuse me, uh, to come back inside the house, uh, but turns his attention to a, to the kid in the grave that Wilkins is hiding in, screaming. And that would have scared the fucking shit out of me the first time I watched that. Wilkins punches the kid, knocks <laughs> him back out. Creek is yelling about having a gun while walking towards the fence. Wilkins pops up and tells Creek that it's just him krieg comes up to a hole in the fence and asks slash jokes what's he going to, what's he uh doing in the hole hiding bodies while giving off a chuckle Spot the kid on. starts to i know right the kid starts to groan again and wilkin tries keeping him quiet by kicking kicking the kid back down he blames it on his septic tank and krieg is convinced and grumpily goes back into his house while telling wilkins screw you after wilkins wished him a happy halloween um, it's it's pretty great because like Krieg is mentions like that's what that terrible smell is when it's just dead bodies. Yeah, straight up. It's so good. It's it's just really funny how spot on he is with all his assumptions, right? Um, Absolutely. And it just adds that element of humor on top of it, but it also does it Seriously. very well. Just like I mentioned earlier, it's just uh, it's really smooth how they right. lay the jokes in there. And it's I feel like it's really Absolutely. good uh, storytelling too. Very very. We smooth. know what he's going through at his neighbor's house while all of this is happening later on. So mm. it's just great to see the different perspectives. Right. And right now we think everything's so cool with him, but we know there's something else that goes on. So like David yep. said, again, rewatchability is fucking great. If you watch it a second time, you enjoy these moments because you really know what's going on in the story itself. Definitely. 
You'll have a different right. experience watching this a second time, I think. I mean, I haven't really watched it a second time yet, but I could imagine I'll like it that much more once I do. Oh, yeah. You for sure will. You definitely, definitely will. Um, I lost my spot. Screw Give you. One second while I find that. Uh, <laughs> I was at screw you. You're right. Um, I'm trying to find that. But um, there it is. Krieg goes, uh, heads back into his house and Wilkins is about to go back to work on this hole until the kid grabs his leg. He is about to take a blow at the kid with the shovel, but Billy yells out of his window once again that he wants to carve the jack-o'-lantern now, but he needs help with the eyes. Wilkins tells him in a minute. Billy asks if he can go to the parade with him, and Wilkins tells him no because he has a date. Billy complains about it, and Wilkins tells him that they will make caramel apples together after carving the jack-o'-lantern while stabbing the forearm of the kid inside the hole. Billy <laughs> agrees and leaves for a moment. Wilkins is about to take one last strike at the, at the sacked-up kid, but Billy comes back one more time telling him to not forget to help him with the eyes, then swack. We cut to Wilkins watering the ground that he just desecrated while mocking his son. <laughs> And I love this because it does give you a sense of like, oh, shit, he's going to kill his kid. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's pretty cool. He's, he's just annoyed with his child. Right. Um, which, yes, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but I mean, to the but, extent of like um, him just like, oh, like oh, you're going to yeah. get it. Like it makes you really right. think like this kid's going to die. Damn. Right. It's like it's super dark, it's super morbid, and he's we we've seen him already do this to kids before, so we know he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, but uh, he is about to head back into the house when he hears Krieg banging on his window asking for Wilkins' help. Uh, Wilkins looks at him and tells him, "Screw you back," and proceeds to go inside uh, while something grabs Krieg from inside his home. Inside his house, he calls for his son, but hears nothing. He is about to go in. He is about to go for the knife on the counter until Billy startles him with a mask. Billy asks if they can carve the pumpkin now, and Wilkins creepily tells him, "Yeah," and to go downstairs. While walking his son down the stairs, he grabs the knife on the counter, holding it behind his back. They head down the down into the basement. Billy runs into the table while um uh. Billy runs to the table with all the carving tools while Wilkins slowly comes up behind him with the knife. Now, this is actually pretty cool. And this is pretty clever, actually. Because uh, if we really think about this, really, really think about this scene here of him holding the knife backwards or uh, behind his back. Now, yes, it is ominous. It seems like he's trying to hide the knife. But let's be real. He actually doesn't want to hold the knife in front of him while his son is right. walking he's taking care right of him. in front of him that is so a good initially point. he's protecting his son that is a very good point yeah so it's i thought that was really really cool really clever uh on how in reality you can see how much he loves his son especially to show him his ways right yeah but i think that's actually a really really clever at, way of uh kind of keeping that going at this point i'm still just like oh yeah confused on like is he actually gonna do it is there really a jack-o'-lantern i don't know what's gonna happen and the answer oh threw God. me for a loop i love it 
I love it. Wilkin grabs his son's head and Billy tells him to carve a scary face this time. Wilkin tells him scary face it is. While holding the knife in the air ready to connect, he drives it down and with satisfaction on his face, we see that they are carving Charlie's head, spinning on a lazy Susan, ending our first story, Principal. So what a relief. I love it. I have I to say, what a this movie is very magical, and I use that word very lightly, or actually extensively, lightly a little bit, but magical because this movie is kind of like a magician. They're giving you that sleight of hand. They're making you look one way, and then it tricks you into like the viewer actually noticing. It's like, oh, he's not the one that actually stabbed his child, and there was blood on the knife. He actually stabbed Charlie, which I loved. There's a lot of reveals. Yeah. There's a lot of I have to agree with you, right. Freddie. It it's all about it's all about exactly. the tricks or the treats in this movie. And that moment where <laughs> that moment where Steven pulls up the knife and you see the blood. I was like, right. no, he killed his boy. But <laughs> later, you know, the, the trick really is <laughs> that we get treated by that yeah, trick, exactly. which we love. <laughs> that he it's it's Charlie that he he stabbed, I guess. But what man, a gnarly way to end that. Yeah, I know. It's like weird the, how uh, relieving it is, though, that a right. different boy got decapitated and his head stabbed instead of the little one. Yeah. I And it, 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 may, it might be because Charlie was older, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. But I love Principal. I think Principal is one of my favorite stories out of this um, besides uh, the next one. That we're about to talk about get, right now. Did any of you get reanimator vibes? I don't know why I did the whole time. I mean, mm, no. Maybe. I mean, I, I got some Herbert West vibes right. from Wilkins. Got it. Got it. Maybe because yeah. it's like just the get up and being in a basement and all of that. Maybe that's what Maybe. did it for me. Maybe. Cut to Macy, Chip, and Sarah ringing the doorbell of Mister H- Mrs. Henderson's house. Uh, she comments on how adorable they are, and Macy gives her thanks awkwardly <laughs> while sarcastically complimenting hers. Henderson drunkenly agrees and gives her butt a little wag while calling it perfect, <laughs> while the tail brushes against Chip's face. Gross. Henderson, <laughs> Henderson asks the three kids if they would like a drink or something, and Sarah agrees. She's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Macy quickly denies for the three of them. Henderson, annoyed, is going to get some candy for them, and Macy is trying to ask Henderson for her jack-o'-lantern, but the three get a clear glimpse at what's going on in the party, and it's fucking hilarious. It's like all their teachers literally just dry humping each other yeah. on the dance floor. Dude, I love this it's scene. It's so good. This is so funny to me and again it's doing it in such a simple way like it's not trying it's to perfect. be funny it just is funny and right i mean just <laughs> i mean it, it's playing on the idea of like sexy costumes right but uh the fact that this woman you know rightfully so she feels sexy in it she feels sexy in it but these kids that are her students or like go to the school that she teaches at man how uncomfortable is it just right. to see all of that especially when they look down the hallway and see all the other um faculty just like grinding and all that like what a disturbing sight but it's so funny teachers there <laughs> bro i saw like a hot dog somewhere in. They were oh it was it a street orgy it was the coach for sure yeah they said um <laughs> this guy's yep, uh was dressed Chip like says. a hot dog fuck a butt fucking a pig 
That's what one of the kids says. He's in high school, right? <laughs> like, I think it's, I think it's assume, an accurate like, way to like depict that scene that as like a middle schooler like, or a okay. high schooler or whatever they're in. Right. Because I mean, we did we did get That's this in fair. Summer of 84 a lot too, right? Exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Macy pushes the two out of the way. Right. These kids uh, know Out of the way nowadays. to complete her request to, uh, to Henderson. And she comes back with the candy telling the kids to be safe and watch out for monsters. Another beautiful foreshadow. <laughs> the kids are walking down the streets chatting about what they just saw at Henderson's uh, Halloween party I even put here. Sometimes I, did, I, I used to get curious if teachers are like this outside of school. Uh, and then I remembered that I am married to a teacher. And you yeah, got the inside scoop. Yeah, some of them definitely are like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, and a lot of her teacher friends are are young, so it, it yeah, live your life, have a good time. But that's very much as to why most teachers try to keep their Instagrams private, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, while they are walking down the street, their friend Schrader. What a name. Comes towards them with a cart with some pumpkins in it. Macy is not impressed with this haul. Schrader tells her that some asshole went up the went up and down the block smashing all of them. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love that call back to Charlie, man. Yeah. What a fantastic like, a, that that just makes this anthology just even more genius. Yeah. I mean it's just it's beautifully done. It's so great how all of them and the stories are interwoven because it even though we have separate stories here, it all feels like one cohesive part. Right. Absolutely. He tells her that they have th- they have three, and if that is enough, Macy tells him that it isn't is almost enough with a smirk. They all head to Rhonda's house, and her front yard is showcasing many jack-o'-lanterns that she did all herself. Good for her. Schrader asks Macy why they uh, didn't just come here to begin with, and Macy tells him that she didn't know that uh, she would have a display like this. Rhonda comes out of her house, and Chip makes a distasteful remark, while Sarah corrects him with a different terminology that is also very distasteful. Uh, Rhonda waves uh, to them and starts walking towards the group. They all leave except for Schrader. She walks up to him and he asks her if she carved all the jacket liners herself. Rhonda tells him that she did and that she made uh, that she made her costume too and asks if he likes it. He tells her that he does and introduces himself to her and she introduces herself to him. And you can tell right off the bat that she is on the spectrum, right? Yeah. So uh, it's it, Schrader is actually being a genuinely nice kid towards her. Yeah, and, that's the vibe uh, I got and that too. Felt genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, um, what a great display of all those jack o' lanterns! Oh yeah, it it was beautiful. It's, it's I pause it every time. Yeah, it's, it's so such good. a great sight to see. Such a great shot. So good. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, for sure. It it could be like a a wallpaper, like just a screenshot of her house. It's just beautiful like so. Done. Beautiful, creepy beautiful so well done um, so well lit. cut to the parade the and the camera uh, so flowing nice. through the crowd of people we follow it to an alleyway where this couple is making out the woman takes off her masquerade mask while the hooded man continues aggressively kissing her he starts seductively kissing and licking on her until she realizes that he is not doing any of that he's actually biting her instead i'm into it she looks down at all the i mean she was until she wasn't (laughs) she looks down at it at all the blood then the man at at then the man and he flashes his fangs at her 
She screams and begins to run while screaming for help. She falls into the crowd of people and grabs on Emma's robot suit, asking for help. Henry tells her that she is just drunk and to come on. Then they leave the woman behind. Damn. And I assume this has to be a part of the argument, right? Because they were having an argument, but in a decently heated one, it sounded like as well. Oh, but, that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think what's clever about it, and it kind of saves this moment uh, because a lot of people can see this and kind of shake their heads. But um, when he remarks that, like, "Oh, she's just drunk," um, it shows to her left that there are people that are their costume is being all cut up and bloody and drinking. Um, so I think that was it was a good touch to not make it too much of a sad scene regardless like it sucks because she needs help but i think that was just such a great touch right and i agree with that so good yeah it's organic the visual storytelling is is so so like it's, it's smart right it's smart storytelling it's like Oh, we can yeah. say mm-hmm. that she's drunk because there's people dressed like her who are also bloody the- getting drunk. So why wouldn't we pay attention to it? Why would we yeah. think she's in trouble? Like, it just like you said, Freddie, the cool them. thing That's about like, this is what follows up is that it's like, this yeah, just happens fine. out in the she's open. And like, how, how scary mm-hmm. is that, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, yeah, everyone's lost in the moment. Everyone's like, oh, they're just, you know, doing a bit Super or it's part scary. of the costume. And I think it's just so cool to see that it was a it was like pulled off in a right. horror aspect. In real life, absolutely no, 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 no. Oh, that's spooky. <laughs> yeah, and and he's able to get away with it too because of the parade, right? Yeah. So very yeah, vampire like, which he is, very, right? Very, very. It's super interesting, and it's super interesting that he chose a vampire. But more on that a little bit later. Uh, then he then. Oh, excuse me. She realizes that there are a few people behind her covered in fake blood drinking a beer. Then the hooded man shows up behind her. She slowly turns around and he covers her while she lets out one last scream. We cut to the woman on the ground dead while the man closes her lifeless eyes and proceeds to walk back into the crowd. Back with the five kids and Chip is chatting with Rhonda about her liking Halloween. She corrects him by calling the holiday someone, also known as All Hallows Eve, as she continues going over the history of the pagan holiday. Chip looks at her with disdain on his face and Rhonda concludes by commenting on his eye patch. They (laughs) make it to their destination and Macy opens up the gate as she continues to go on to the edge of the rock quarry. The rest of the others are wondering why they are there. Macy tells them they uh, to pay their respects to the dead. Once again, of what what's his name says earlier, Wilkins, Stephen, um, and la 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 la. Chip asks here. Excuse me, Chip asks her what happened and if Shaman has died there. Sarah realizes where they are and is about to mention that this is where the school, but is cut off. By Macy telling her to shut up, but Chip continues calling it the Halloween school bus massacre. Ooh. Schrader is not sure on what this story is about, and Sarah's about to tell the story, but Macy tells her to shut up once again <laughs> so she can tell the story instead. Macy begins, quote, it happened 30 years ago on a late Halloween afternoon, end quote. We jump into a flashback following Macy's story on the legend. I And from here on out, everybody, I will be kind of quoting her story throughout. And I will be going back and forth on the quotes and the end quotes. 
Quote, a school bus was on a usual route, but this wasn't your typical school bus. They weren't your typical kids. There were eight, there were eight of them, and they were different, troubled, disturbed. Every day, parents put their dirty secrets on this, on this bus to be driven to a school miles out of town. End quote. All the kids are dressed up within this scene, and one of them, one of the kids, as a uh, as a vampire, speaking the numbers quote thirty thirty two sixty thirty two sixty four thirty two sixty six end quote, and then the bus stops. Macy continues quote, but the day the driver took a different route end quote. The same kid starts saying quote unquote wrong way over and over. And I actually love our cameo of Sam here. Uh, we get a sense that Sam is actually quite ancient, right? And um, and his name being Sam and uh, short for Samwin, having that kind of that cleverness to it. And you kind of get the sense that, okay, Sam's been here for a while. Like Sam's like Krampus ancient. So I think that's actually really, really cool. Macy continues. Uh, yeah, it's pretty dope. Macy continues, quote, and, uh, and instead of yeah, taking the students home, he drove the bus to an abandoned rock quarry, this rock quarry. What the kids didn't know uh, that over the years, their parents had become exhausted, embarrassed, end quote. The bus driver drives through the gate and pulls up to the edge of the quarry, stopping the bus, quote, and they will... And they were willing to do anything to ease their burden. So one day, the parents approached the bus driver and made him an offer, end quote. The bus driver gets up with a box full of candy as the children are in awe from what he has. Uh, 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 from what he has, he shushes them. Macy continues, quote, with the money they collected together, they asked him to do the unthinkable, end quote. Now, what do you think he was actually going to do? So... I got to be honest, and this is because this is my fear. I was like, when he reaches over and he like uh, goes to grab the chain. Oh, to tug the chain. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. What is he going to do? He's going to touch him. But yeah. I after that, I was like, ooh, I was relieved. Um, you know, I was curious. I didn't know if he was going to drive off the cliff. But I was thinking, like, is he just going to let it roll through? And if it's his bus, like, won't he be the one reported of driving that bus like it doesn't make sense to me what could have happened because i think it would have been tied back to him sure that makes sense i think the candy was poison oh i think he was going to just throw all the kids off the bus once they died Hmm. that's a really good point yep yep damn that could definitely be it it could be, yeah. I feel like it could be poison candy, right. or he was gonna drive off the bus. So right. it's kind of funny because the girl is telling this story. Obviously, the bus driver yeah. lives. And kind of what David just said right now is like, oh, wouldn't they know it was his bus and everything like that? I think that's the story he told everyone that got passed down that the kid escaped and made the bus go down. But I think in all, all of the oh, kids were still chained up, and the kid never escaped. But he said that one of them did, and that's how the bus fell. But it was really him. I mean, Prince, you bring a really good point about the, the candy being poison himself. because as he we see throughout the film that, um, you know, poisonous candy is uh, seen elsewhere in here, right? And um, with us seeing Sam previously, <clears throat> it feels like things that happen in Halloween's past that Sam is a part of, he kind of mm. um, 
gathers the the negative energy from from those events and kind of uses it to uh, to trick or um, punish those that don't follow tradition. Right. So I think you're right, right on that. Yeah, just makes me think about it. But I like Freddy's theory too. I think that's a fun one too. Uh, the yeah. driver goes up to each kid checking their chain restraints while throwing them candy into their buckets. He gets to, to the vampire mask kid while he starts chanting wrong way home and I want to go home. This broke my heart. Yeah. While the bus driver is handing out the candy to the rest of the seven kids on the bus, the vampire kid starts the bus and is trying to figure out how to drive it. And the reason why that actually breaks my heart is not because he wants to go home in general or because he says that or because it's innocent. It's because his family doesn't even want him. Oh, yeah. So he technically doesn't even have a home. It and he does, doesn't even know that. It does get a lot and that, more that sad when you put it that way. That is what destroyed me. Yeah. Ugh. So this uh, story is actually the one that I find the scariest, and it's because of that oh, aspect, yeah. Prince. It's the fact that imagine the the home life that these kids have to experience if, um, right. you know, this is what their parents are doing because they're embarrassed or tired of them. That's just so sad to me, and it yeah. makes it scary because um, these kids they're treated as disposable. And that's just truly mm-hmm. scary to me. Right. Same. Absolutely. The driver is making his way back to the front, but one of the kids trips him, so causing him sad. to fall to the ground, which uh, has the kid drive the bus right off the cliff into the quarry of water. All the kids' masks float to the top of the water while Macy continues, quote, the driver was never heard from again, end quote. We see that the driver makes his way out of the water, gasping for air while holding um, on to the rocks. She continues, quote, as for the bus, some say it sank so deep that it couldn't be found. Others say the town just didn't want to be found. For all we know, it's still down there. And so are those kids. End quote. I gotta say, are- I love... Chills, man. Yeah, I love the way she... Uh, tells the story the ambiance very much makes it feel like are you afraid of the dark right or just like freddie mentioned earlier like a campfire story it's just they add this like layer to her voice as she's doing her storytelling and it just puts you in that mood even though you're not looking at them um and the reactions while she's sharing the story you're you're visually seeing what is being told but it still has that energy and it's it's great Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We are out of the flashback and back with the kids staring below into the quarry. Sarah tells Macy that she is full of shit and Macy continues uh, or excuse me, Macy challenges her to be first for her ritual. Eight victims, eight jack-o'-lanterns, each one representing a lost soul, telling them that they are going to leave them by the side of the lake as an offering. Schrader turns on the power to the elevator lift and hands the keys back to Macy. While they are waiting for the lift to come up, Schrader compliments Rhonda's jack-o'-lantern while Macy is side-eyeing them both. (laughs) Back the fuck off, Macy. For all she's a little jealous. You are jealous. Get off. All right. Come on. The lift arrives and Macy walks on uh, on first while the rest follow her. She closes the door when Sarah and Schrader are inside the elevator, smartly remarking to the other two that they can only uh, be three safely on the lift. 
and she'll send the keys back up. Cut to Lori walking the streets, um, looking for her man of herself, for herself, but she keeps stumbling across people who are, are already booed up. All these ghosts, and I still can't find a boo. <laughs> she sits on a bench in front of a museum while her phone starts to ring. Um, and I actually love this because um, you get a sense of Emma and Henry walking past again, fighting just like how they were in the beginning of the film, and him not being proud of her. So they were fighting about him not being proud of her. Mm. So I am very curious as what is going on behind the curtains with those two. I wonder. Oh, man. Laurie answers her phone, and Danielle asks ask her, uh, f- uh, her who is her favorite big sister, uh, but Laurie doesn't answer her. Instead, her eyes are locked with the hooded man who claimed a victim earlier during the parade. Danielle asks if she is still there while the hooded man walks off and tells her that there is a guy at the party that she really wants her to meet. Um, Laurie asks if he is young and cute, and Danielle looks back at the heavy set man in the baby costume, <laughs> waving back at her. She tells Laurie that she, uh, you can say that, and continues, he is really nice. He's young, <laughs> Laurie too. confirms that the man is quote-unquote hideous, her words, not mine, and Danielle tells her that beggars can't be choosers and to get over to the party. While doing so, the store clerk from earlier is trying his best to seduce her, but you you definitely uh, but she is definitely not interested, even calling him the wrong name confidently. And I love this. He's she's like, I'm not in the mood, Andrew. He's like, Josh, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> then I love it. Then howling can be heard while we cut back. And I thought this is so fucking so awesome. funny because their timelines match up. And it, I think I thought this was so clever. Uh, then we cut back to Chip and Rhonda waiting for the lift to come back up from the quarry. Rhonda whispers loudly, werewolves. While Chip is uh, n- not finding it too amusing. And I even put here, this is actually still extremely clever and genius on connecting the stories. I have to agree. Continuing it going. Yep. Um, now, I like to also think that there is a party nearby. Um, I don't think there's anyone in their party howling, but I like to think there's a party nearby of other werewolves doing the exact same thing. Oh, you think so? I like to think so. Okay. But remember, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> the lift uh, makes it back up and the two head inside and start descending. They so can good. overhear the other three down below and see their lit jack-o'-lanterns within the fog. Their voices are echoing, and this looks beautiful, by the way. Their voices are echoing, but you can hear uh, them screaming um and running while something hunts them through the fog. Meanwhile, Chip is extremely frightened by all of this and presses the uh, button frantically to try and start the lift to ascend back to the top. And I gotta hand it to my man, Chip. (laughs) Because damn, this boy acted his ass off for this. Because uh, he knew what was going on. And he he played this shit off so well. Yeah, he He, genuinely seemed like he was afraid. Oh, for sure. Like, damn, it was good. It was really, really good. Good for him. To no avail, the lift stops on the ground. Chip calls out to uh, calls out to the uh, group, but nothing. Rhonda opens the gate to the lift to leave and ask him if he's coming, but he shakes his head. No, uh, she tells him th- to stay there and to not allow the candles to go out for protection. 
And I thought this was really sweet uh, because she, at the end of the day, she really cared for, for everyone who was here and mm-hmm. she wanted to make sure that everybody was just safe. Yep. Uh, so I, I thought that was, I thought that was actually really well done. Uh, Rhonda is walking around in search of the others within the quarry. Uh, she stops once she reaches a puddle and then she sees the bus that all the children were killed in. She looks down to see pieces of costumes from Schrader, Sarah, and Macy, bloody. She goes down to grab Schrader's mask, but it, uh, but is grabbed by the ga- by this ghastly creature. Rhonda lets out a scream while trying to flee and notices another closely, uh, close by. Excuse me. She starts running but stops when she uh, sees Chip's guts are being eaten by another creature. She continues running and screaming, and they chase her through the quarry. She trips and loses her glasses, but can't find them. Then she just continues running without them. Caught at the at a dead end, she stands and begins to cry and await her demise. The three creatures move closer, and Rhonda trips backwards, knocking herself out. They continue moving closer, and we realize that that it was the group playing a cruel prank on Rhonda. And she was so scared. Like, genuinely, like, if you even think of the context of suspension of disbelief, like, she genuinely looks scared. Yeah, like, I was believe that was so believable. I have to agree with you. Um, and yeah, it just she does. I thought where my head went after she it, fell. Right, it's like, oh man, I see where this is going now. And this film does that a lot. It makes you think about things that are going to happen, and it kind of makes you uh, have this built up anxiety inside of you. Um, right. So they pl- they play it off well, extremely well. Yeah, all of these kids, mm-hmm. they can act their asses off. Like, everyone in this Absolutely. movie in general, I don't feel like there's a weak character in this movie. All of the acting is top-notch. And to be honest, after, like, not seeing this movie for a very long time, because I probably saw I did, this when it yeah, I did too. first came out. <laughs> so it's been years. I thought she died. Yep. I was like, oh, man. Yep. She fell backward. Did she hit her head hard on a rock and died? <laughs> it just killed her on accident? It's but a beautiful touch. That was a nice little, you know, like a beautiful magician. Touch. They got me again. They just pull up these reveals over and over again. And they always try right. to make you go down this way. But at the same Absolutely. time, there's the trick. And I, what I way. love the most and about this particular movie the here truth, is so. the fact that always good. Uh, when you, you get a glimpse of who is spared and who isn't. Right. And it's initially the people who aren't who aren't spared are people who um go against tradition for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So like you got, um, for example, let, let's start in the beginning here. We had Emma who died from blowing out the last candle, uh, but her husband was fine. Henry was okay because he tried to stop her from blowing out the candle. He liked tradition. Then you go from there and we have this kid, Charlie, who is just being not nice or anything like that. He's messing up uh, people's yards and he's, he's smashing all these different types of pumpkins, initially desecrating the holiday and he died. Now we have uh, Wilkins who didn't die because he's technically still following tradition right now mm-hmm. for now. And then we have the school bus massacre where remember 
she does blow out the candle mm-hmm. on this one as well. So that as well. Exactly. And I think also disrespecting the dead. I think what made Wilkins die is based off of that as well. But we'll we'll continue going. Um one of the kids asks if she is dead and Rana wakes wakes back up with Sarah in her face wearing a mask. She lets out a loud scream and smacks her in the face. Girl, same. If while she tries to frantically crawl away, Strader calls out to her and she stops crawling while she recognizes the voice. They take off their mask and Macy comments on on it going so well. Rhonda yells that they that they are all dead. Strader heads over to her by try, um, trying to comfort her, telling her that it was just it was all fake and it was just a bad joke. Macy cruelly lets out that it was a good one. <laughs> Okay. And he tells her to shut up while continuing checking to see if Rhonda is okay. Um, Chip is about to head over to uh, to her um, to check on her as well, but Macy stops him from continuing forward. Strader asks if her wound hurts on her head. She sobs while nodding her head into his chest. Strader tells them to pack everything up so they can leave, and Macy doesn't want to, but he persists that they can came down. They came to do. Th- to do this and it's done and i was wondering i was like well what the fuck are you gonna stay there for what are you gonna do now like what was your plans after this yeah it kind of i wanted to think that there was a bigger plan than just scaring her um Mm -hmm. because it just seems like a lot of effort to do that to someone to tease him to trick him right Chip and Sarah head. Uh, Chip, Chip, Sarah, and Macy head over to grab everything that they brought. Chip notices that one of the lanterns is still lit. Macy kicks it into the water and continues grabbing their stuff. Chip asks if this is all of of trick. Then how did the bus end up there? Macy tells them tells him that was true. And continues asking what happened to the bus driver. She irritatedly tells him that she doesn't know. But they uh, then they start hearing indi- uh, indistinct whispers and laughter surrounding them. Macy asks Chip if he said anything, and she and he tells her he didn't. She continues telling him that she is not in the mood, but the laughter and whispers continue. Back with Trader and Rhonda, hearing the screams from the others and calling calling for him to help them. He tells Rhonda to wait there while he goes to help them. Rhonda covers her ears so she doesn't have to hear the screams from of the others. Schrader is running, uh, looking for them and runs into them. Macy cries that, that they have to get out of there and they heard voices of of the other kids there with them. They start to hear the whispers again and see um, eight dead children. It's seven, right? It's, it's seven or eight. I think it's seven. I think it's um, seven died because one got away, right? No, the bus driver got away. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right. Because um, I said yeah. eight earlier. I think it's seven because they but I think it's seven, seven. jack-o'-lanterns. So, correction. Um, and uh, see the seven dead children from the story. They all start to run, but Sarah, Sarah is pulled back uh, from her chains as uh, for, of her costume while yelling for help. This just also just like goddamn that is so scary. Mm-hmm. Macy is about to go back to uh, for her, but Schrader stops her, and they continue running back towards the lift. They make it there, and and it is locked while Rhonda is inside while uh while the lit excuse me inside with the lit jacket lanterns. Um, 
they are pleading for her to open the gate, but she doesn't open the gate. She actually is just quiet. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, yeah, y'all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Instead, she grabs the key and presses the button to go up on the lift, leaving the others behind. And uh, you might even be wondering, like, well, okay, well, this kid Schrader was nice to her, right? I mean, he wasn't entirely nice to her, though, right? So, like, he, he still went along with this fucking joke. Yeah. Right. I, and he... It kind of has you realize that right. he went through well, the plan. This was his plan all along. He just didn't know that he was gonna like her. Yeah. So I mean, I was... am surprised how ruthless she was. She she did not oh, care. Yeah, she definitely gave up right at that point. She was like, "Well, all right, fuck y'all." Yeah, and that, that's that was the big shocker for me. I bet. Yeah. Right. Right, and Schrader kept on saying, it's like, this is not a trick. This is she not a trick. Just, just making sure it's like, you know, this is real, right? And she's looking still down on them. Press that button. Like the slowly they are. Watching them <laughs> deeper and deeper <laughs> down there. Right. Ah, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Jesus. Okay, when I watch these movies, I put my subtitles on. Oh, yeah. On, you hear them hear like the they're when she's going are getting up, dismembered. You hear, dude crazy sounds happening to him and screams <laughs> right you you see the subtitles it says like flesh tearing mm-hmm. i'm like whoa okay this is very yeah. descriptive it's like i can hear it's it intense. but now that i read it it's like i know what's happening absolutely so i was like holy shit that's crazy awesome these kids the really dead kids moving closer to, t- to, to them and you can hear their carnage while Rhonda walks off without them she sees sam standing in one of the tubes they uh, give each other a glance while they head their separate ways, ending our second story, the school bus massacre. And I think that one is the one that I find the spoopiest, and I think my favorite. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Yeah, me too. I love it. Um, we cut to Lori walking through the woods alone, hearing snapping of twigs and branches behind her. She turns around, yells that she is not in the mood, and... And uh, to come out while she turns back around, the hooded man is standing in front of her at the party. Janet and Janet is trying to hand Danielle a beer, but politely declines um, while waiting on the arrival of her sister. Janet tells her that she is a big girl and can take care of herself. And Danielle adds that she wishes that was true and that mom always said Lori was the rut of the litter. I thought that was Once a again. very interesting comment that she made of all like analogies to use. Why that one? Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense in a few more minutes. It does. The hooded man smashes her into the tree trunk extremely violently and whispers, my, 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 what big eyes you have. <laughs> and he takes a bite out of her neck while she starts to scream from pain. And this reminded me of True Blood. Um, and I was even thinking, I was like, oh, I wonder if true, if they like, was that supposed to be a callback for her character in True Blood, Sookie? Um, and no, I don't think so because this movie technically came out first. So, oh, damn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, we, excuse me, we cut back to Danielle and Janet. Nice. And Janet asks her where the guy is that she is setting up with Lori. She looks back at him, and Janet looks back at, with a face of disgust at the diaper wearing man. Another woman begins screaming and, uh, and, uh, 
and oh, excuse me. Another woman begins screaming, and a red hooded person falls from the trees. Danielle runs over to check to see if it's her sister, while everyone follows behind her. She reveals the face underneath the red hood and notices the masked man gasping and whispering for help. Lori approaches from the other forest towards the other women. Danielle goes up um, to her, telling her that she is late. And Lori's like all types of sexy now, right? Like she like got her <laughs> hair down. It's kind of messy. And she's like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman now. Like, yeah. I'm just like, you go ahead, Lori. That is the confidence we wanted to see, girl. And we see it and you're flaunting it and you, you, you get it. You go get it. She tells Danielle sorry and that it took a little longer than she thought. Danielle grabs her hands and asks uh, what he did to her. And Lori tells her that she took Janet and Maria's advice by playing hard to get and he bit her. Danielle gives them a look of disappointment and Janet tries to break up the tension and tells her that, well, at least she made it. And that they take her into the party. Um, Maria sticks around the man on the ground while he calls for more help from her. She bends down next to him and tells him to say ah and starts to pry his mouth open, removing and complimenting the fangs out of his mouth. So I was very confused here because was it it to me it seemed like his whole bottom row was taken out, but was it just the fangs? I think it was just the fangs. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I Right. Wait, so they're just they're just, just really the well done because yeah. he can puncture. The oh, are okay, that makes a lot more sense because I was a little confused too. here. I was like, wait, this guy is not a vampire, but how were people bleeding this whole time? So this guy was just kind of living his fantasy. Yeah. Damn. Fucking asshole. Oh, man, Stephen he Wilkins. fucked up. <laughs> oh, for sure. She then takes off the mask, asks for his name, and it is Stephen motherfucking Wilkins. And I love this shit, man. All full circle. Yep. I love this shit. Maria tells him that she is glad that he is Laurie's first and that she uh, likes him. He asks who they are and she chuckles while getting up to go back towards the other women. He notices all the dead men that are surrounding him and begins to scream from fear and then from pain from his broken leg. Laurie tells, tells her sister that she is nervous and Danielle tells her that she is going to be fine and to just be herself while handing her a beer for one last swig. <laughs> then we cue in Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams because she is going in for the gill. Lori goes on top of Wilkins and whispers that it is her first time and to bear with her while ripping his shirt. All of the women start to seductively dance, take off their clothes, and start shedding their skin to transform into a werewolves. Gnarly, man. And holy fucking shit. Wow. How incredible is this transformation? It's actually really well done because I think with live action, you do really yeah. have those moments of weakness where you're trying to depict that transformation through CG. But here, it's so unique with the shedding of the skin. Uh, it's disturbing because, you know, not a lot of films will do it because it's not fun to look at. But because of its uniqueness, you're just like, ooh, ooh, but this is this is good. This is crazy. This is gnarly. Right. And, it, and it's interesting because a lot of werewolf films, right. very creative, um, they either do it one it's, or two ways so that I've noticed. 
it's either your bones break and you just transform and that's it. Right. You just start your limbs kind of start going or through, I guess three ways your face changes and it's just that just your face or you literally have to shed your skin in order to become a vamp- oh, werewolf. Excuse yeah. Me. Um, or sometimes you just transition into a werewolf and you know, you, that's it too. But still like I, I, I love the shedding of the skin. Like I love the, how carnage it is and um, how it kind of looks painful in a way. Yeah, it does. And, yeah, it, it's it's super interesting, and I love how like one of the women went up to another woman and shedded her skin for her mm-hmm. by slicing her back with her nail. That one got me, that, man. I I thought that was so so yeah. well done. But it's cool. Damn. I mean, like I've always been. Oh God! Whenever I have so seen well. werewolf tra- transformations, it's always been Ugh. the breaking the bones and reconstructing them. Um, and that's painful yeah. to look at too. But this, for me, this was my first time experience shedding of the skin and took it to a whole other level for oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. It was gnarly, oh, yeah, I love, but it I was cool. the shedding of the skin. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Wilkins asks what, what they are doing, and you can continue seeing uh, them transform and begin to eat on their prey. She repeats what he says to her. Quote, my, my, what big eyes you have before taking about a bite out of his neck and the other werewolves start to howl. We end our third story, surprise party with Sam watching them devour the men. Loving the irony of him being a vampire, right? Getting caught up with werewolves. Oh, yeah. That's the best part. I love it. We cut to the uh, to earlier um, at Mr. Krieg's house and three kids opening his gate to go inside for trick-or-treating. And once again, those same poor kids from earlier. Yep. Um, they, they, ter- they, excuse me, they're terrified heading to his front door, but they knock on his door anyway. Krieg unlocks multiple dev bolts before opening his door, wheezing at them. One of the kids tells him a trick-or-treat then seeing glowing eyes and growling back at them, chasing them out of the yard while they scream in terror. These fucking poor kids, they've just been through it tonight. Yeah, they have. Krieg puts up, uh, picks up, um, it's funny because I assume they just kind of like did the rest of that street and went to the other side of the street to do the other rest, which is probably how they saw Emma. But, yeah. Uh... The da, 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 the man is wheezing while going to some pictures and throwing them into a fire. He turns on the TV and his dog uh, comes up. Excuse me. He turns on the TV and his dog comes up so he can take off his costume that was uh, used to scare the children. I would totally love to get this costume. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, his dog le- leaves him and goes to check on the candy that one of the kids left behind from getting scared. He opens uh, he opens a candy and but doesn't like the taste, so he sets it aside, it being one of the arsenic candies. Uh, he changes the channel, and we see the news anchor from earlier talking about the parade. He starts flipping through channels, skipping over an old horror flick, skip and Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Hey. I know, I love uh, and, that. Uh, uh, <laughs> and a history of ho- on Halloween before going back to uh, the cooking channel. Saw that. His dog begins to bark at a sound from outside the house, so he shuts the TV off to check on on the creaking gate. Someone throws the egg so hard, cracking his window and running away laughing. He grabs his bat, and he hears his dog barking at at something outside. He tells his dog, uh, get back inside and ask if... uh, 
if it is finishing crapping. His dog has the finger that uh, was thrown into the yard from Wilkins, but he doesn't see it. Krieg hears Wilkins yelp and asks who's there with his threats accompanying him. Wilkins uh, tells him that it is just him, and they go on with their brief interaction from earlier in the film. Someone or something is watching Krieg from afar while he is chatting with Krieg. Um, oh, excuse me. Yeah, no, that's right. He is headed back inside, but not before a screw you. Once inside, his dog begins to bark at the front door. He runs out. Of, he runs out of his front door, yelling for someone to get the hell off of his porch. But there is nobody there. Just a bunch of jack o' lanterns in his yard. I thought that was so cool. It was awesome. I love how, that scene. Yeah, it's 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 cool because we have that view of like a a sick front lawn with a bunch of just really cool jack-o'-lanterns but what is cool is just that it's there all of a sudden right you're and you're left wondering why yeah absolutely because it's, right. it's, it's a very quick interaction that he has with those Super uh, kids fast. earlier and and in pops the backyard, out of nowhere so, yeah it's pretty awesome uh, he's about to smash them, but his dog begins to bark again, turning his attention away from smashing pumpkins. Great band. His dog heads upstairs, barking at someone, giggling and running around. Krieg grabs his shotgun, checks if it is loaded, and starts heading up the stairs towards the, towards the noise. Um, he, oh, excuse me. At the bottom of the stairs, he calls out for his dog, um, but doesn't come, but he doesn't come down. He tries the light, but it bursts and goes out while Sam runs across the hall to another room. You hear the dog barking and whimpering when he does when he does so. Krieg starts slowly heading up the stairs while his shotgun at the ready. Walking the hallway, he is going towards one of the rooms, but is looking behind him after hearing footsteps running behind him. He opens the door to the to a bedroom and notices something is in his bed moving. He yanks the covers off and it and it is an electric and it excuse me and it is an electrical hand um moving underneath the covers. A jack-o'-lantern uh in the corner ignites in a large flame illuminating the wall with trick or treat give me something good to eat in blood. Krieg is in shock and noticing the wording all over his bedroom, but brought back to reality when he is sliced in the Achilles tendon, falling to the floor, screaming in pain. And this is a beautiful callback to one of my other favorite movies, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> he looks at his wound and then notices Sam slowly rising yeah. up. Just in Pet Cemetery, just the same way. Uh, Krieg asks who he is, and Sam unwraps a candy bar with a blade inside of it. Krieg grabs his gun and takes a shot, but no Sam. He makes a haste and tries to limp away. He, he tumbles down the stairs from all the different types of candies and glass that is now stuck in the palm of his hands. Krieg uses the butt of the gun to try to get up, uh... Uh, get up he makes his way to his front door but is having problems unlocking all the locks because of his hands in the background sam is climbing on the ceiling making his way closer to krieg once he is right on top of him he starts giggling and drops down on top of him beating the fucking shit out of krieg (laughs) throws him into the mirror (laughs) uh, until krieg throws him into the mirror knocking the little traditional creature kid out Creek gets up and starts tapping on his window for Wilkins to help him. Um, and now that we are to this part, this is uh, the where I got 
really nitpicky with it. Now, Krieg took a shot. Did no one hear that? Like, no one in the neighborhood? That's a very good point. I mean, yeah, because Wilkins was already there. Right. So, like, it, it, all these things have happened right. where several Wilkins times is still technically present and no gunshot. So, I don't know. That, Oh, no. that's a really good point, Freddie. It's to protect this movie. Yeah, it is Halloween. but at the same a time... There's people running around. There's a lot of chaos going on, right? Right. People hear a gunshot. It's like, oh, was that special right. effects? I was like, but, oh, someone has a really cool house. Things are just chaotic this night. Right. But my, 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 specifically my whole this thing town, is, though, this town goes wild. That with we don't hear it at all. And from like we, we are in that timeline where the, the, the shot happened in, in many different groups and we don't hear yeah. the shot at all we, that was my thing it would have been if i would have heard the shot that would have been that would have been okay that's fair for me it would have been great <laughs> to have it in some context in another storyline where someone's right. questioning it I agree. or that's just fair. a small little nod you know i right. i agree with you on that just like the wolves right yeah we just heard like the wolves that. howl and then there was another group of people who heard the wolves howl like i feel like if that shot that shot would have been pretty cool um, to make maybe um, Wilkins have haste to leave even sooner or something, right? I don't know. I, I thought that would have been just pretty, pretty interesting. I thought that was just interesting. It doesn't take you out of the movie because obviously no one, even in our group here, we didn't remember that that happened. But I've seen this movie so many times. I literally watch it every single year and I have watched it every single year since 2009. So it's just something that always pops into my head. Um, Creek fights back 2008 actually because remember I had that bootleg copy <laughs> Creek fights back uh, oh excuse me Wilkin walks into his house and Sam jumps on on the back of Creek um, then commences that ass whooping once again Creek fights back ripping off Sam's mask exposing a pumpkin headed creature and this looks so fucking good so it looks so good. Sam bites down on Krieg's leg and he screams in pain, but uh, grabs his shotgun, sh- uh, shooting the creature in uh, to uh, the fa- far end of the hallway. And I actually love the carnage behind Sam because it's just pumpkin guts. Yep. And it's so, so clever. He gets up in pain, but keeps an right. eye on Sam walking so towards sick. him while reloading his shotgun. Creek takes another two shots of, of the pumpkin creature before going to call 911. And this is where Krieg fucked up. He shouldn't have taken those two other shots. Because those two other shots shot off his hand. <laughs> <laughs> The operator tells him to hold for a moment, and Krieg is impatiently saying hello to the woman on the other end. When she comes back to the phone asking for his emergency, the phone gets disconnected. He takes a look at Sam and notices that he is still unconscious and thinks nothing of it. Then Sam's hand stabs him in the foot. He he kicks the hand, um, and while doing so, falls to the ground. Krieg Krieg checks checks his chamber, but empty. The hand goes to grab the sack for Sam's head and taps the body awake so they can reconnect with each other. Krieg is terrified at this point and tries to crawl away from the creature. And Sam pulls out the iconic lollipop and takes a bite out of it to make it nice and sharp. Now, Krieg is pinned. Sorry, I just wanted to add. What's great here is because of the beginning of the film, we know what he wants to do with that lollipop, right? 
Right. <laughs> I fucking love it. Krieg is pinned on the back wall and pulls a drink off the table, smashes the glass to use use as a weapon, but Sam breaks his wrist by smashing his hand into the drawer. Sam strikes down and Krieg is screaming from for impact from the impact, but the lollipop connects with a candy bar instead that is uh, on his chest. Sam takes the candy and smells it, then starts to eat it. He is satisfied and starts walking away from the man, but turns around to look at Krieg one more time. Um, then the door opens by itself, and he leaves with the door closing behind him. Krieg is still on the ground, and we fade to the fire burning, and the eight kids, um, seven kids, the seven kids that died uh, in the school bus massacre, uh, or was it eight? I don't remember what we agreed on. Seven, I think. Uh, but uh, the school bus massacre telling telling us that Krieg was the driver of the bus. Ending our fourth and final story. Sam. Now. Fates. Oh, go ahead. Uh, we're not done just yet, but actually, if you finish want. Finish up. Finish up. All right. All right. Fade to a black screen showing later. And the and a knock on the door with three kids who have pig ma- pigs mask on holding their bags out. Um, I thought this was also pretty clever because of the the huff and the puff of yeah, the werewolves. Yeah, the three little pigs. Uh, I thought yeah. the same thing. Um, Creek opens the door and looks all types of fucked up. The girls say the magic words to receive the candy, and he gives he gives it to them. They all give their thanks and head on their way. Creek goes on his on his porch to look around his neighborhood. We see Wilkins' kid, uh, Billy, dressed up as his dad, bloodied shirt tie and glasses handing out candy to the kids little freak <laughs> Rhonda walking across the street with her wagon also almost getting hit by the four werewolf women while laughing and licking their fingers and howling and Sam standing at the tree watching over him before he hears Emma and Henry coming home from the parade we go over to what we saw earlier from Emma and Henry Emma blowing out the last candle from their jack-o'-lantern. Sam watches them do this, looks at his bitten lollipop, and heads over towards them. And I love how he looks at this lollipop because it's like kind of innocent. Like he's like kind of surprised. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> like, he's like, I got to do it. Oh, I got to do what I got to do. Creek heads back into his house and soon afterwards gets another knock on his door. Right. He opens the door and he whispers and, and hears whispers of quote unquote, over here looking up he notices that it is the children that he was responsible for back through those years coming back for their revenge the one in the vampire mask raises his bag with an ominous trick-or-treat and we see his demise with the fantastic graphic novel look ending our ride with trick-or-treat man that moment had me gasping i couldn't believe it Regarding that last scene, believe it, David. I want to take that pin out so that I put in earlier. Yes. Do you remember take that pin out the scene where we have what, was it Emma? Emma cleaning up the take decorations. That out. Emma Harry. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she's looking across the street, and you see that masked man wearing the jeans and the hoodie. Mm-hmm. What I love, and I think, is the coolest thing that's set so early on, right? That if you look to his left while she's looking at him across the street, you see the kids from the school bus walking past him. And you sure do. And they're going to Mr. Creek's house. Amazing. You sure do. 
I love that. I love that you caught that. That's amazing. Oh, what a fucking so movie, sick. y'all. I love this Beautiful. movie so much. But I got some movie facts for us. Movie facts? Most of the jack lanterns were made out of either foam or ceramic. Movie and facts? The joke was that no pumpkins were harmed during the making of this movie. And that is actually at the end of the movie. Damn. <laughs> Characters from each story are frequently seen in the background of stories they are not involved in. Nice. This is to help piece the story, uh, together the, chronolo- the chronology of the movie. Which we all saw. Hell yeah. Little people were used to fill in for kids trick-or-treating since this film was uh, shot mainly at night and real kids could not work th- uh, during these hours. <laughs> Poor kids. Also true. kids. Kids needed a permit to do that. Kids need a paycheck though, right? True that. <laughs> uh, the look on, of Brian Cox's character is actually based on Halloween and The Thing, directed by John Carpenter. Wow. I love that. Love that. Well, we got a juicy one right here, folks. The film was originally slated to release on beautiful. in October 2007 beautiful, for a beautiful. Halloween release. Uh, Warner Brothers, without explanation or any reason, pulled the film from the schedule and no re- uh, rescheduled date was announced. One reason might have been uh, that Saw 4 was slated for release around the same time, and Warner Brothers did not want to compete against it in fears of being... Uh, of a big open against them, um, which is possible. Yeah. Another possible reason the film was buried by the studio was that uh, it was possibly fallout from the box office disappointment of Superman Returns in 2006, which was co-written by Trick or Treat writer slash director Michael DeHerty and both produced and directed by Brian Singer, who Brian Singer, asshole. Also, sexual allegations, asshole whose production company produced this film. There were there was brief talk that the film would uh, finally be released around Halloween 2008 but and possibly earlier uh, early 2009 but never or neither release ever materialized. The film was eventually uh, released straight to DVD October 2009. Movie reference, Mr. Krieg says, "Quote, you've got to be fucking kidding me." End quote. When he sees part of the supernatural killer, it's hand operating independently from his body. This is a nod to the similar scene of John Carpenter's remake, The Thing. Hell yeah. I caught that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get it. Let's get a decent one. We'll do two more. The kid with the lollipop in his mouth who peeks in on the girls uh, in the changing room when they are trick-or-treating. Uh, excuse me. The kid with the lollipop in, in his mouth who peeks on the girls in the changing rooms uh, when they are trying on Halloween costumes is the actor who plays Sam throughout the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Fuck yes. Yep. That is amazing. That is fucking amazing. I saw that after I watched the movie. Oh, man. That's awesome. The cast. Oh, hell yeah. Here's a good one, guys. We're going to end with this one too. right here. Love that. See, Ernest Hearth has a cameo as Laurie's blind date. Do you know who that is? No. She looked very familiar. Well, see, see Ernest Hart is nope. the, the man. Oh, who wait. I was think supposed I to be set up. Now see, um, Hearth, excuse me. See, Ernest Hearth is the giant baby in 13 Ghosts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, full circle. He's the great child in 13 Ghosts oh, and he made a cameo as a giant tight. baby. Full circle. Fucking right. genius. I did not know that. I did not. I, I, I did, oh my God, wow. That's I know perfect. that's how we got started. 13 Ghosts, full circle for us. Yep. That's perfect for <laughs> a us. A year ago. Wow. Um, Wow. 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 Oh my gosh. Whew. What a movie. 
What a movie. But let us know over on Twitter what you think of Fantastic Treat movie. Treat. We definitely want to know. We, you can let us know over on at GoodNightLife or our personal Twitters, which are also in the show notes, however you would like to. Keep that conversation going. We definitely want to know. But this is the end of our Trick or Treat month. I actually didn't mention that, but it's okay. <laughs> but this is the end of our Trick or Treat month. And uh, this was a blast. I, I'm, I'm back officially welcome back i'm man. very excited for you all to hear the episodes that freddie hosted for this month i'm i already know like he killed i haven't listened to them yet so i i know he already killed this this whole uh month goddamn i'm excited so i'm hoping you guys had a lot of fun with those episodes but we are going to keep things going with our next month, I, mean, I, I got to actually look up the name because I, I had a pretty cool dub for this one. I was pretty, pretty proud of it. Uh, but our next month, which is our family trauma month, family is where hell is. <laughs> That's right, everybody. Family is where hell is. And we're going to be starting that off with one BR, which I'm excited beyond the moon. And that would be a companion episode. So be on the lookout for that as well. Yes. But yes, 1BR is going to be uh, jumping that off and kickstarting that off for us. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. I am back, baby. And on the other end there, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Also known as Nightly. And on the other end there, we have Freddie. Please check your candy. Also known Trick as or treat. And Our also, efforts to get our show out is candy. not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's like with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday, also ad-free. Okay. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.